Well, I don't know if you caught last week, I shared my theme for this week with you. And my theme this week is generous. Generous. I don't know how many sermons you've heard on generosity in church as we continue through a series looking at some vision and values words. I hope these words are things that we associate with who we want to be. For as in stone, this is very much part of the trajectory that we've been on for some time. And for those of us in Ainsford, in light of the request of a a rescue merger, I think that these vision and values statements are all the more important because I think they're about culture. And I don't just mean the culture of our church in stone that we're seeking to, to share here in Ainsford, but I mean the culture of heaven and some things that we consider to be distinct and important. Before anyone switches off and they think, oh, a message on giving, let me just say that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I want to talk to you about generosity in light of the kingdom of God. Talking about giving is a good thing to do. It's important that we understand why we give. But this morning, although I'll touch on that very briefly, my main focus is generosity. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. I've got three things to say to you, and if you have a wee snooze after that, as my Scottish granny would say, that'll be okay, you'll have heard the main thing. I'd encourage you not to have a wee snooze, but, you know, that sometimes comes for us whether we like it or not. Uh, And I'll do my best just to explain some things to you, and hopefully you'll find them riveting. But that might be a tall order. So my three things, if you hear nothing else. First one, you ready? Number one, God is generous to us. That was worth a hallelujah if we were a bit more Pentecostal. That would have got a rousing applause, maybe. God is generous to us. Did you know God is generous to you? Do you feel like God is generous to you? I'm going to spend some time this morning trying to prove to you that God is generous to you. But let me just say for the record, as part of our time together this morning, as part of our worship, and one of the best things we can do in worship is proclaim the truths of heaven in our lives and in the life of our church, God is generous to us. Secondly, Generosity is a kingdom value. Because God is the king of heaven and earth, anything that God is, is a part of the kingdom of God. And so this kingdom value, I want to highlight for us. Growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. And so the rules of our family, the because every family has rules, whether you acknowledge them or not, there are certain standards and expectations that we live by. And so many of the rules that we lived by were underpinned by Christian values. For us as a church, I think it's really important that our lives are underpinned by kingdom values. I'm not trying to suggest a legalistic rule-based system, 
but instead that we observe what God is doing and join in. God is generous to us, so we need to be a people marked by generosity. And so my third point is we need to reflect the values of the kingdom. God is generous. Generosity is a kingdom value. This is the simplest message on how to be a good disciple you'll ever hear. So if God is generous and the kingdom of God is full of the generosity of God, what must the people of God be? Generous. And so I think we need to adopt a perspective of generosity. I've got a couple of Bible passages to share with you this morning that I think lend further further credence to this. But let me say right out of the gate, God is generous to us. The kingdom of God is full of his generosity. And so the people of God need to be full of his generosity too. First of all, God is generous to us. Who's breathing this morning? Anybody breathing? Anybody wake up this morning? I mean, hopefully you know that you're both breathing and awake. Those things are gifts from God. It's so easy to begin to overlook the everyday supernatural gifts of God in our lives. Life, breath, his grace being new every morning. These are gifts from God. The Bible says every good and perfect thing is a gift from above. So everything that you have that is good or perfect is a gift from God. God is generous to you. There's a great verse in Matthew 7 verse 9 that talks about the Lord as a generous father. It says, if your earthly father knows to give you bread to eat when you say you're hungry and not stones, how much better is your heavenly father? How much more generous is God? What good things does God have in store for you if your earthly father, who struggles with sin and working out their salvation, whether they're a good father, whether they're a bad father, whether they're saved, whether they're unsaved, your dad knows to give you bread, not stones. How much more has God got for us? And as we seek to reflect the values of the kingdom of God, as we seek to be a part of his family, how do we respond? How do we respond? Oftentimes churches find it challenging to talk about generosity. People often misunderstand the generosity of the church as an act of charity rather than a kingdom value that is important to God on high. They think that we're lovely, kind-hearted, loving, sweet, nice people. And they realize that actually some of us might be that way. Others are that way because of God's intervention in our lives. And those who would have been naturally charitable aren't being charitable. We're serving the kingdom of God. Something more significant than simple charity is occurring when we unite ourselves with the Lord and seek to do the work of Christ. 
It can be challenging because churches in the UK, under UK law, churches are charities. It's no surprise that we're mistaken for charitable people. Giving to the needy, helping through things like the food bank, serving the poor, looking after orphans and widows has been a big part of the church's ministry to the world. Helping those who are disadvantaged down and out, helping them get back on their feet. But the church is not a charity, but a collection of people living for Jesus. We do these things not because they're good things to do. We do them for Jesus. They are good things to do. And people do do good things. Outside of the church, there are wonderful charities doing wonderful things. But I think we need to really know our why. Why do we do what we do? Well, we do it because it's part of our worship to God, because it's about advancing his kingdom. And while these are good things to do, we're not doing them because they're good. We're doing them because our Heavenly Father has instructed us to. The Lord is a generous God. Generosity is a kingdom value. And we want to be more and more like Jesus and follow his leading and his example. There's another great story I want to share with you this morning. I don't know how many of you have Bibles handy. If you've got a Bible handy, now's a great moment to grab it. Matthew 18 is what you're looking for. Matthew 18. Controversially, this is one of those times where I've got a few things to say, and I'm not going to stop and read it for you. Uh, but I am going to give you a precy of this story. This is the JTEV, the Joel's time-efficient version of a passage. <coughs> Matthew 18, verse 21, talks about the parable of the unforgiving servant. If you've not read this story, let me just encourage you to go away and read it. But here it is, summarized very concisely. Peter's asking the Lord about, how many times do I have to forgive people? What does that look like? What does it look like to have a generous spirit towards those who have done me wrong? And he was told this story. It says, it's, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. So he called his servants to him, and one servant owed him a great deal of money. Realizing the servant didn't have what was needed to pay him back, he said, well, what we're going to need to do is we're going to have to sell all that you have. And when it was obvious that that wasn't going to be sufficient, he said, and then I think we'd better sell you as well to settle your account, your very self. The servant fell upon his knees imploring and pleading, have patience with me and I will pay you everything that I owe you. The king in his mercy saw this pleading and decided not just to take mercy, but to forgive the debt. The servant went off and seeing another servant that owed him a great deal of money, started to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe me. 
when the servant made it clear, the second servant made it clear he didn't have what he owed, the first servant said, well, he should be taken to prison then. Other servants in this kingdom saw this and reported back to the king saying, this is what's happened. And the king called for this first servant and said, what are you doing? I forgave you that which you owed me. And yet you have not shown mercy to your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. <coughs> and in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until all of his debt was paid. How would our lives be if God wasn't generous to us? There's an account with your name on it. You owe something to the Lord. In fact, it's more than you'll ever be able to repay. We are that first servant. How are we going to respond to a broken and hurting world? Will we chastise our fellow servants? Will we treat them harshly? Or we treat them with generosity. How much has the Lord forgiven us? It's easy to lose sight of all that we've been forgiven and seek to right a wrong or want something to be done our way rather than yielding, rather than practicing generosity. I think this is a great story because it doesn't just teach us forgiveness, it teaches us about having a generous spirit. People can tell about you whether or not you have a generous spirit very easily. If you have an ungenerous spirit, if you are mean and miserly, if you're uncharitable, if you're mean with what you have, if you're hoarding it to yourself, if you're doing that with your finances, if you're doing that with your words, people see it, they feel it, they know it. You can't hide those things. Equally, you can't hide when you have a generous spirit. Our Heavenly Father has a generous spirit, and so I think we need to have a generous spirit. And so we need to be generous with our finances. We need to be generous with our words. We need to be generous in our posture. You see, this isn't a great giving message. I'm not saying we need to be a generous people and then we're going to pass around the offering plate. I'm talking about the whole perspective, the whole posture of you as a person, your life, and how that impacts upon the culture of our church. There are some things that we have to take personal responsibility for and they change the whole culture of our church I don't want anyone to go away feeling criticised, I think that this is an important value and this isn't a, a rebuke telling you that you need to go home and you need to think about your finances your word and your posture and think about how you can change those but if the Lord is impressing that upon you, do Pray into these things. In fact, we can all stand to learn a little bit more in these areas of our lives. 
If you feel criticised, I think that's probably pride being pricked. We need that. We need the Lord to challenge us, to search our hearts, to root out those things that aren't his best for us, that aren't his kingdom values, and to challenge us. That's a good thing. But equally, I know that there are wonderfully generous people in our churches, both here in Ainsford and in Stowe. People that throw together huge meals and serve faithfully. People who have been long-standing members, supporting and lending their voice, their actions, their resources. And that's what church is. It's the coming together of the body of the bride of Christ, ministering to one another and ministering to our world. We want to have a generous spirit towards one another, just as the Lord has a generous spirit to us. In fact, I would go so far as to say, you don't ever want God to be as generous to you as you are to those that he loves. He always outgives you. You can't outgive God. Second Corinthians 9 verses 5 to 11 talks about how it was necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead, to encourage the brothers, to be generous with words to the brothers, to encourage them to arrange in advance a gift that had been promised, made ready. And it talks about sowing and reaping, the importance of sowing not under reluctancy or compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver, and that in all times and all things we might abound in every good work, when we practice kingdom values. It talks about how God distributes freely, and so we need to distribute freely too. That God is generous to the poor, that his righteousness endures forever. Perhaps you've heard me talk about the importance of righteousness and grace. God's righteousness is what lends credence to the grace of God in our lives. It exemplifies, it encourages, it exalts the grace that we need. Grace without righteousness is hollow. Equally, righteousness without grace is hard. Just as the servants and the story of the servants, grace looks like the forgiveness of debts. Righteousness without grace looks like the wicked servant attacking his fellow servant and having him thrown in prison. What kind of people are we going to be? Because when we supply seed for the sower, the Lord multiplies the seed and increases the harvest of righteousness. Some people want to take a passage like this and they want to make it all about money and say, so if you sow a seed, God will magnify that and then you'll get more money. And I don't think that's the case. I think when we unite ourselves with God, when we invest, when we sow our time, our finances, ourselves, when we give God our best, he increases, he magnifies his harvest for his glory's sake and for the good of his church. And we're blessed as a part of his church, not individually, perhaps not even ever financially, but for the good of his kingdom. We grow in our spirit, we grow in him, we grow in relationship, and we grow in all the things that the Lord has for us.
I guess you could put it like this, and um, this is from the Bible, and so that's normally a good encouragement. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, through which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. As we encourage one another, as we're generous with our words, as we sow and as we reap, as we sow a harvest, we reap a harvest, a harvest magnified by God because it's to God's glory, not ours. But if we're stingy, if we're miserly, if we're sparing with the things that we're sowing, whether it be our words, our finances, our time, whatever it may be, then we're also going to reap sparingly. We need to be a generous people because the measure of God's blessing is multiplied, a multiplication of what the people of God are bringing to the king. And I don't know why that's surprising to us because we've got some great stories, stories about loaves and fishes that feed thousands of people. We've got wonderful stories of how the church increased in its number daily as a few people took a stand for Christ, proclaimed the things that they knew, and thousands are added to their number in a, in a day. Church, look around. When were we last increased by a thousand in a day? We're not ready to be increased by a thousand in a day. We need to get our hearts right before God. We need to practice kingdom values. We need to be stirred by the Lord. We need to be encouraged. We need to be challenged. And we need to change. We need more of the values of the kingdom of heaven in our felt reality, in the lives that we live, in our day to day. Generosity leads to blessing. Have you ever noticed that people say things like it's better to give than receive? Or they talk about being positive and what you put out into the world comes back to you? Or karma, you know, the, the things that you do and say have a spiritual weight and if you put good out, then good will come back to you. I don't think any of that's true. I think that there's a much deeper spiritual reality at play here and it's about not the laws of physics, but the laws of the kingdom of God of which we are part, of which all of creation is part. I think people are beginning to find a grain of truth amongst a sea of sand. And as they try and work out how this works, what this means, here's the answer. The kingdom of God, which is ruled by the king of heaven and earth, our heavenly father, has ordained in the spirit realm that this would be true in our physical lives, that when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If you sow sparingly in the gifts that you give to those that love you, you're going to get a small gift in return. If you're generous to those that you love, you get a bigger gift in return. Perhaps that bigger gift is the gift of giving. You see somebody light up. Their whole countenance is lifted by your generosity. It's better to be a giver than a receiver. I love choosing gifts for people. I think it's a wonderful way to minister to them and a wonderful way to encourage them. When I was at Bible college, when I was at Spurgeon's, 
going through seminary, one of my responsibilities was that when a member of staff left, I got to choose the gift that the student body would give to that member of staff. And I spent hours trying to do this. You know, I spent in one week when I had assignments due, side note, I spent more than two and a half hours as a 20-something man on a website known as Kath Kidson. Does anyone know what Kath Kidson is? How many 20-year-old men do you know that are excited about Kath Kidson? Hands up, anybody? Nobody? No, I knew nothing. All I knew was the brand name, Kath Kidson, and I knew that this member of staff leaving would be so blessed. And as the student body, we're excited to give this gift to this member of staff. She was part of the office team and she had just been such a warm, smiley, reassuring person to us that when you went to her with a problem, she'd smile at you. You know the way sometimes a person smiles at you when you've got yourself all het up and bothered. You're worrying about something and you, you kind of unburden yourself and they just smile at you. They're generous in their demeanor towards you. They're generous in themselves, of themselves. Isn't it wonderful how even a smile in the right moment can be generous to another person? And so we were excited to be generous to her and she opened this gift in chapel and she said, oh, how did you know? I'll tell you how I knew. Hours of research. Personally, I prefer the polka dot pattern, but I'm told that the floral patterns are preferred generally. That was the case on this occasion. See, I'm proving my knowledge to you. This isn't just a good sermon illustration. This is a part of my life, and I encourage you to just be generous to one another. This is something that I've been working out in my own life. What does it look like to be generous? Generous is not giving to get, but deciding to be generous as a way of life. Not an emotional choice, but a purposeful, deliberate, cheerful act of worship to God. God loves a cheerful giver. You know, when we take up our tithes and offerings, sometimes people look awkward and they kind of root around in their pocket and they think, oh, I wonder, I wonder what the right amount is. Is he watching? What will I do? I'll just tell everybody at the end that I give online so they don't worry that I've not put anything in. I think God would prefer that we didn't give, in fact, than that we gave out of a sense of compulsion. The Lord loves a cheerful giver because he loves when your heart towards him is reflecting the generosity that he feels towards you. Generosity leads to us being enriched in every way because it's how the kingdom works. It's not that we're giving to get or that we're just enjoying the sensation of giving. Being charitable feels good. Have you ever put a pound in a little collection and thought, oh, yes, oh, I've done my part? Or maybe you've been a part of some big project. Maybe you've given hundreds, even thousands of pounds away. It feels good to serve people in that way. But I think that hints at the spiritual reality that we're called to be a part of the Lord's church. And as the church, we're meant to serve a broken and hurting world by revealing Christ in our actions, with our words, with our generosity. 
And you see, when we're generous, it's not just that the lives around us are enriched, or even just that our lives are enriched. It's that the kingdom is on display, and that enriches everything that comes under its power. When you come under the power and the will of Christ, that isn't just for your good and God's glory, that's for the good of the whole world and the glory of the kingdom of heaven. And with a simple gesture, a simple action, a smile to someone who needs it, a kind word to somebody who's hurting, an act of generosity, financially, physically, relationally, giving glory to God is such a wonderful thing. I think too it's important that we check our motives in generosity. Sometimes Sometimes people give because they want people to know. They give for the sake of status. A bit like we see a story of some priests standing on the street corner so that everyone would see their piety as they prayed. Some people give out of their immense wealth. And it doesn't cost them anything. We hear stories like the widow's might, and I fear you hear it preached one of two ways. Either she gives and she's left in poverty, or she's giving an offering of praise, and that's a wonderful thing. But the thing that strikes me is the sacrificial nature of giving. If it doesn't cost you anything, is it really generous? Are we seeking honor? Are we seeking our own pleasure? Or are we seeking God? Are we seeking Christ? Are we seeking to build the church, to win the lost, trusting that the best is yet to come? What is our perspective? Oftentimes, one of the things that makes it hard for the church to be generous is a sense that we're just trying to keep the show on the road. They call this a siege mentality. It's so easy to slip into a siege mentality. We fear, well, if I give, will I have enough? Well, if you give and the doors close and the church goes away, the kingdom of God has increased and that is a value to the kingdom. But I earnestly believe that if you give all that you've got, the church grows. This is the upside down nature of the kingdom of heaven. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. When you give it away for God, it comes back in abundance. The Lord blesses his people when they choose to live in accordance with who he is and how his kingdom works. So oftentimes churches get into this mentality where they just think, We'll do a bit here and a bit there and, well, we can't do that because that went wrong that one time and we're, we're not generous in spirit to one another. Someone says, well, how about we do this? We go, oh, no, that definitely won't work. It didn't work that time. We did it in 1983. Oh, that's a good idea, but we tried that in 1971. Oh, that's a lovely idea, but, oh, I don't know about all that. We need to be generous. We need to be wise. And the problem is the wisdom of earth, the wisdom of mankind, 
looks very different to the wisdom of God, the generosity of heaven. And so the challenge for us is to die to ourselves, not to give in to our insecurities or our fears, but to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Knowing that God won't just supply us our daily bread, but all of our needs are met in him. To recognize that we're not just servants in his kingdom, as we learn from the the parable of the unforgiving servant, but instead, servants in debt have been replaced by sons and daughters of the king. When we say things like the best is yet to come, that's not just a snappy slogan that the church has adopted as it seeks to encourage us to be generous, but a spiritual reality that the best truly is yet to come. The best in Christ, the best adventure, the best blessing on your life is God's plan for you. You see, generosity is more than just serving, time, worship, finances. Generosity is a perspective shift. It's living lives of worship to God. That's what our generosity is. It's about being generous with ourselves towards the King of heaven and earth. The mystery of human existence lies not just in staying alive, but finding something to live for. It's inhabiting the joy of the Lord as our strength. It's being challenged and changed as we are reformed into the likeness of Christ. God's gift of grace through Jesus is generosity to us. Taking up our cross daily and following after the Lord is generosity to us. Consider it all joys when you experience trials and suffering because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance faith. Even our suffering is generosity from God to us because it grows us in our relationship with him. Every good thing, every bad thing, serving the purpose of God. Because either it magnifies the grace of God at work in your life, if it's a trial and grows your faith, or it's full of joy and life and you're encouraged by it because it's a good thing. Once we yield to Christ, every human experience reinforces the generosity of God by refocusing us on the grace of the King of heaven and earth. And this is so important because God has so much more for you than you can do in your own strength. God needs to be generous to you because he's put a big calling upon your life, upon our lives, upon our lives together as the church of Christ. Oftentimes I've heard people say, and I think this is the most wonderful heresy of late, 
They say God will never give you more than you can handle. Or they say God gives his biggest challenges to his best warriors, his biggest battles to his strongest fighters. And it's rubbish. God totally gives you more than you can do in your own strength. Repeatedly, consistently. But what the Lord doesn't do is give you more than you can handle with him by your side as your rock and your salvation. More than you can do within his generosity and grace. One last thing to say to you as I wrap up. God is generous to us. God is generous to us. Generosity is a kingdom value. We need to reflect the kingdom of God, the culture of heaven, and live lives that reflect the person of Christ. That's the challenge set before us. How can we be generous to God? How can we be generous to God? And as I leave you with that question, let me just add this last second part to that question. How can we be generous to God? And when did we last count our blessings? There's a great children's song that goes, count your blessings, name them one by one. I promise I'm not going to sing it. Are we counting our blessings? Are we recognizing the generosity of heaven in our lives? We're here this morning. We woke up. His grace and mercy are new every morning. You're in church breathing in it in and out. Every breath is a breath that the Lord has given you. Every moment is a moment that he's blessed you with. Every good and perfect thing that you have is a gift from God. The gift of the Holy Spirit in your heart, the counselor, a gift from God. Our lives are full of gifts from God, the generosity of heaven. And this is what we're excited about. This is what we have to share with a broken and hurting world. This is what the world needs to hear. The church isn't a club with complicated rules and limits on what you can and can't do, but a mutual gift exchange of grace and joy between us and God as we serve him, as we yield ourselves to him, and as he outgives us in every situation. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Father, bless us, challenge us, help us to hear these words, to respond in grace, to recognize generosity, to reflect the values of the kingdom of heaven, and to give you all the praise you deserve. To God be the glory, we pray. 
We thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bless and praise your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen.